Good Monday morning. Our top story, a college campus rocked by gun violence overnight. A manhunt underway at this hour for the student suspected behind it. It is November 14th. This is today. Breaking overnight chaos on campus. At least three people killed, two others wounded at the University of Virginia. The school locked down. Students told to shelter in place. A frantic search underway for the alleged gunman, a former member of the school's football team, were there live. Balance of power. Weekend ballot counts make it official. Democrats hang on to the Senate. The House still undecided. Republicans pointing fingers this morning. Former President Trump getting ready to announce his plans for 2024 tomorrow. And former Vice President Mike Pence taking him on over January 6th. The president's words were reckless. It's clear he decided to be part of the problem. The very latest just ahead. Ready for winter, cold temperatures from coast to coast. Snow expected to stretch from the south up through the northeast. And we've got your full forecast. Search for answers. The NTSB joins the investigation into an air show disaster in Dallas. Oh, God, no! Two World War II era planes colliding in a fiery crash inside the efforts to figure out what went wrong. Those stories, plus setting sail, the cruise industry bouncing back in a big way. The ships have never been cleaner. The elevators, everything that you do is clean. This morning, the rush to book trips and where to find deals on holiday getaways. And Sunday night, comeback. The 49ers score a late touchdown to eke out a win over the Chargers. And we're taking you inside the game with the photographer who's captured some of the NFL's biggest moments for six decades. Today, Monday, November 14th. 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Happy Monday. Mm-hmm. Nice to have you starting your week with us this morning. Yeah, and anyone who came to visit us on our plaza got a special treat because if you look behind us, oh, yeah. our Rockefeller Center tree has arrived. It's in place along with the tree. We've got some cold weather, some unseasonably warm weather has been taking care of much of the country, but the cold blast is here. That's over. Winter yeah. is coming. Yeah. Those lower temps are not going away anytime soon. We've got Dylan in for Al this morning with the full forecast. All right, but we're going to start with that breaking news out of Charlottesville, Virginia. What police are are describing as an active situation on the UVA campus. Three people have died, two others wounded after a gunman opened fire. The suspect identified as a student is still on the loose this morning. A shelter in place order in effect across the campus. For the very latest, we're joined from the scene by Dominique Moody's from our Washington station WRC. Dominique, good morning. What's the latest there? Yes, Savannah and Hoda, good morning. We know that multiple agencies have been working through the night into the early morning hours to try to collect evidence that could help try to find a motive as police continue to try to find and locate the suspect. This morning, a lockdown at the University of Virginia and desperate manhunt. For the shooter, authorities say open fire Sunday night, killing three people and injuring two others. College officials issuing a shelter-in-place order following the deadly shooting reported late Sunday at a parking garage on the main campus in Charlottesville. The UVA Police Department tweeting this photo saying that it is searching for Christopher Darnell Jones in connection with the shooting, advising the public to call 911 if they see him and not to approach him. The university president writing to the community, one of our students, Christopher Darnell Jones Jr., is suspected to have committed the shooting. 
He was last seen wearing a burgundy jacket, blue jeans, and red shoes, and he may be driving a black SUV. The same photo appears on a 2018 football roster shared on the official website for the Virginia Cavaliers. The profile says Jones did not appear in any games that year. This is not the first time that gun violence has rocked a college campus in Virginia this year. In February, two campus police officers at Bridgewater College were fatally shot near a classroom building. A former student was charged in connection with their deaths. Back in Charlottesville, the UVA president says the college community is completely shattered, writing, I am devastated that this violence has visited the University of Virginia. And classes are canceled here at the University of Virginia, and they are also offering counseling services for students here as they continue to deal with this tragic event. Savannah? All right, Dominic Moody from our station WRC. Thank you. Turning now to the balance of power in Congress six days after the midterms and what they'll mean for you. So here are the headlines this morning after what was a very busy weekend. Democrats will remain in control of the Senate after victories in Arizona and Nevada. Those wins, meaning the runoff in Georgia, no longer holds the weight it once did. The House, meantime, still in question. 19 races still up for grabs, but likely will go to the Republicans. All of this posing major questions for the future of the GOP and former President Trump's role in it just a day before he is expected to announce a 2024 run. We have complete coverage for you starting on Capitol Hill with NBC's Garrett Hake. Hey, Garrett, good morning. Hey, Oda, good morning. Uh, Democrats are breathing a huge sigh of relief this morning after that narrow Nevada victory assured them control of the Senate for two more years. But nearly a week after Election Day, we still don't know who will control the House. And the first big announcement of 2024's campaign is coming tomorrow. This morning, Democrats are back in the driver's seat in the U.S. Senate. Now we celebrate and let's continue the work. Thanks, everyone. Weekend victories for incumbents Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada and Mark Kelly in Arizona, locking up two more years of a Democratic majority, regardless of the results of Georgia's runoff race next month. New York's Chuck Schumer keeping the majority leader job, with eyes on quickly raising the U.S.'s borrowing limit and continuing to confirm Biden-nominated federal judges to lifetime appointments at a record rate. They want us to roll up our sleeves and get things done. Nearly one week from Election Day, control of the House remains up in the air. 19 races have yet to be called, most of those in California. Republicans only need to win seven to flip the chamber. Democrats defying predictions of massive red wave Republican gains. The worse than expected results for the GOP leading to a week of soul searching for the party and a growing debate over the role of former President Trump, widely expected to announce a third run for the White House on Tuesday. I believe he could be a very effective uh, president for our country again. When any party is out of power, as Republicans are now, we don't have a single leader. Those who are most closely aligned with the former president did underperformed. Amid that GOP soul-searching, Trump's former vice president, Mike Pence, will release a memoir on the same day as his announcement, speaking to ABC News about January 6th. 2.24 p.m., the president tweets Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done. It angered me. I mean, the president's words were reckless. It was clear he decided to be part of the problem. Another twist as Republicans debate the path forward. 
And for his part, Mr. Trump is blaming top Senate Republican Mitch McConnell for the party's losses. And a group of GOP senators are now calling for a delay in the Senate leadership elections scheduled for this week. That's the biggest internal challenge ever for the party's longest serving leader. Hoda. All right, Garrett Hake for us here in Washington. Garrett, thank you. Let's drill down on some of these results. What's next for both parties? NBC's senior Washington correspondent Hallie Jackson with us this morning. So, Hallie, control of the Senate no longer at issue. Democrats right. hold on. What does that do for the Georgia race if it's not hinging on Senate control? It's a real question of turnout, right? Are people, are Georgians still going to show up and vote if, in fact, it means, unlike what we saw in 2020, 2021, that control of the Senate is not at stake? Now, listen, both parties are still incentivized. Democrats would love 51 seats just to give some wiggle room. Republicans would love to keep Democrats down at 50 there. You're still seeing a lot of attention, a lot of national backing for each of these candidates in this race. But again, will people feel motivated to yet again get out there and cast their ballots? Let's talk about the House. It is undecided this morning. We are projecting a Republican-controlled House. But if it is such a narrow margin, how does that affect the Republican agenda? How does that affect would-be Speaker McCarthy's job? Okay, so any Republican majority means you are probably going to see a lot of investigations into President Biden and the White House on everything from COVID to Afghanistan. But that very, very slim majority means that the actual work of governing it's just going to be trickier. It's just going to be messier, right? Because it means that with fewer, you know, with less wiggle room, basically, a smaller group of members could have more power to say, well, wait a second, I have this demand or that demand and kind of hold hostage some of these various bills. That's going to be the big challenge for House Speaker if he is House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. And as Garrett has explained, Savannah, that's still an open question. Well, you know, can we talk a little bit more about this? Because the conventional wisdom is that it would be the far right members right. who would hold more sway if there's this narrow margin. Why is that? Why would that particular uh, aspect of the Republican conference have more power than, say, the moderate wing of the party? So there's sort of two answers here. One is because the House Freedom Caucus, which is the f sort of far-right, ultra-conservative wing of the Republican conference in the House, is well-organized. Um, they, 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 they understand how to flex their muscle. They've done it before. They've tried to do that before. That said, you, you know, with such a tiny majority, if it is, let's say, three, four seats, you could see a coalition of moderate members, Savannah, come together and have the same kind of sway, right? It makes, listen, it makes every Republican member of Congress, every Democratic member, too, Pretty important if, in fact, the margin is just, let's say, three, four, five. And very quickly, just the seconds we have, President Trump expected to announce his presidential yep. run tomorrow. What are you expecting? 2016 vibes, I'm told from sources I've been talking to, is that he is going to get out there. It's going to feel a lot like it did in 2016. Same kind of visuals, same kind of message. He's feeling aggrieved. I'm told that in his scripted remarks, there's no mention of two of his potential primary rivals, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin. But Savannah, you know as well as I do that this is a former president who has rarely kept to his scripted remarks. We'll see. All right. Hallie Jackson in Washington. Thank you. Breaking news just this morning, President Biden meeting with China's president on the sidelines of the G20 summit in Indonesia. It is their first face-to-face -face since Mr. Biden took office, and it comes at a time of heightened tensions between the United States and China. NBC's chief White House correspondent Peter Alexander is in Bali for us. So, Peter, what is the White House hoping to take away from this meeting? 
Hey, Hoda, good morning to you. So the goal here is to improve this relationship between the U.S. and China that even President Xi just this morning acknowledged has soured. Presidents Biden and Xi, they have known each other for years today, shaking hands, exchanging pleasantries before kicking off this meeting. The two highlighting the value of seeing, seeing each other face to face. And both leaders, notably, they arrive here emboldened. Biden fresh off the Democrats better than expected showing in the midterms. And for Xi, he just secured a historic third term, President Biden began by emphasizing the importance of keeping the lines of communication open. We share responsibility, in my view, to show that China and the United States can manage our differences, prevent competition from becoming anything ever near conflict, and to find ways to work together on urgent global issues that require our mutual cooperation. And, uh, I believe uh, senior officials here say not to expect any new policy announcements today, but there are several contentious issues that will be discussed on the war in Ukraine. China is still buying Russian oil on North Korea. The U.S. fears that Kim Jong-un may resume nuclear testing for the first time in five years. And then, of course, there are the tensions over Taiwan that China claims is part of its territory. The president has repeatedly said that the U.S. will defend the island militarily if China ever invades. But after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan back in August. According to a senior administration official, China cut off routine communications with the U.S. in retaliation. And Hoda, you know, just to underscore the stakes here, at the end of the presidential greeting today, when a U.S. TV producer shouted a question to President Biden whether he would raise human rights, a Chinese staffer yanked her by the backpack, literally almost pulled her down before a White House staffer told the man to keep his hands off her. So certainly a tense situation already here. Oh, wow, indeed it is. All right, Peter Alexander first in Bali. Peter, thank you. All right, I've got a lot more to get to. Say good morning to Craig. Hi. Hey, Savannah Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. Another major story that we're following this morning, a rare moment of celebration in Ukraine. Residents of Kherson, the first major city captured by Russian forces some eight months ago, welcoming Ukrainian troops and President Zelensky in the wake of Russia's retreat from that city. NBC's chief foreign correspondent, Richard Engel, on the ground for us this morning in Kherson. Richard, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. For eight long months, Russian troops occupied this city and allegedly carried out rape and murder. Ukrainians were not allowed to sing their national anthem or fly their flag. Now they are doing that and more and hope to continue this momentum and free other cities. Kherson is a city victorious liberated from Russian occupation. And this morning, Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, made an unannounced victory lap to rally the people. Russian troops pulled back from Kherson to more defensive positions, but remain close by. So Zelensky's visit was brief. How are you feeling today, Mr. President? How are you feeling? Very well today. Be careful. No, I understand there's a lot of security here. Yeah. But how is this moment for you? The moment is very important. That is the biggest the biggest city what was occupied it since 24th of uh, you know February so that is the biggest city and now it's free so Ukraine came so I'm happy thank you the Russian occupation of Kherson came early and was brutal so the joy and relief now is profound everyone wants to thank a Ukrainian soldier and collect autographs. There haven't been many scenes like this in Europe since American GIs helped defeat the Nazis in World War II. 
A Ukrainian soldier named Ole was one of the first into Kherson, rushing to see his grandmother, his babushka, who collapses to her knees. We found the grandmother, Lydia Malahova. She hadn't seen the reunion video until now. What was that moment like? I was so, so happy to see him, she says, my grandson, that he's running to me, that he's alive. She watches the video again and again and kisses Ole on the screen. And months of fear and uncertainty well up and come pouring out. It was overdue. Thank you. Thank you for everything, she says. I had no words. Kherson was the first city Russia captured after it invaded. President Putin then annexed it, declaring the conquered territory to be forever bonded to Russia. It turns out forever had a time limit. While the mood here is absolutely joyous, Russian troops are still close by. The downtown area is now fully controlled by Ukrainian soldiers, but a river separates the downtown area from the industrial part of Kherson, and that's where Russian troops remain. So this city is still easily within Russian artillery range. Craig? So happy to see that image mm -hmm. of the grandmother there. Uh, Richard, thank you. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for that. So happy to see all of those images mm -hmm. there. Sometimes I feel like Richard would like to go one by one and yes. hug every yes. single yeah. person yes. there fighting for their freedom. Yeah. And I think that thank you to Richard was more yes. than a thank you to Richard. I think yeah. it was... Let's get a first check of our weather. Lots of colder temperatures this morning. We've got Dylan in for Al. Good morning. Good morning, guys. We knew it was coming. It's got to get cold at some point. It is November after all, but the cold air is in place. In fact, we have freeze warnings stretching down into Alabama, into Georgia. This mostly impacts your plants, so we're kind of at the end of the growing season here now. The temperatures have dipped down close to freezing. Currently, it's only 27 in Chicago, 22 degrees to start off the day in St. Louis. This is where you have to remember how to dress as you leave the house. You know, you got to get the jacket once again, maybe the hat. If you're outside for a long period of time, high temperatures today, only staying in the teens in Bismarck, North Dakota, Omaha, 37 for a high, Chicago, 41 for a high, a little bit below average, but this chilly air will continue to settle in. Minneapolis stays at 34 degrees for a high tomorrow. Rapid City, South Dakota, only 25 degrees, Philly, 48 degrees. But then as we go into the rest of the week, the cold air will settle in to Chicago, 26 for a high temperature on Friday, 39 in Lexington, Kentucky, in New York, we dropped from 50 on Wednesday down into the 40s. And if you're curious about next week as we get closer to Thanksgiving, it looks like that cold air is going to stick around for most of the country except for the West Coast, which is the exception. That'll be a little bit warmer than average out there. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank, thank you. Dylan. Coming up, the search for answers after this deadly collision. It happened at an air show in Dallas over the weekend. And Morgan Chesky is there for us. Morgan, good morning. Yes, Savannah, good morning. And it was a stunning scene that left hundreds of onlookers in utter disbelief. Today, a memorial grows for those six lives lost. Coming up, what investigators are honing in on in hopes of finding the crash's cause. All right, thank you. Also ahead, guys, the bounce back of the cruise industry with demand growing. Trips over the holiday break are booking up fast. What you need to know and how you can find the best deals before it's too late. But first, this is Today on NBC. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with my NBC neighbor, Jimmy Fallon, to talk about his 10 years as host of The Tonight Show, 
reflecting on his long career in comedy, his years at SNL, and yes, landing the biggest job in late night. A little time backstage with Jimmy Fallon. You can get our conversation now for free wherever you download your podcasts. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the True Crime Original. We're back, 7.30. Look at our new neighbor. Oh, yeah. For the holiday season, the iconic Rockefeller Center Christmas tree rolled up in here over the weekend. It's a magnificent 82-foot Norway spruce. Look, Hoda, they're already working on it, too. They're busy. You know, that's they put that scaffolding up, and yeah. as you as people come to visit, they're like, what's going on there? Yeah. But when that scaffolding comes down, oh, she yeah. looks so good. We've got our lighting ceremony that's coming right. up. I know. A couple weeks. Wednesday, November 30th. We'll all be there. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. All right. We've got a lot to get to this half hour. We're going to start with a check of your 730 headlines. Classes at the University of Idaho were canceled this morning after four students were killed yesterday in a suspected homicide. The victims found at an off-campus house in Moscow. Police say they don't have any suspects at this time, but they don't believe there is an active threat to the community. Uh, the latest turmoil at Twitter this morning, more than 4,000 contract workers were terminated over the weekend. That according to the tech news publication Platformer. Those cuts come just days after Twitter laid off about half of its employees. This is all, of course, after Elon Musk acquired the company. In the meantime, Wall Street is watching pharmaceutical giant Eli Lilly today. Its stock plummeted last week after someone impersonating the company on Twitter said it would make insulin free. Twitter had changed its policy, allowing anyone to acquire a blue verified check mark simply by paying an $8 fee. All right. Meantime, we are learning more this morning about that fatal mid-air collision at an air show in Texas over the weekend. Yeah, two vintage World War II airplanes crashed into each other, killing six people. The NTSB now investigating. NBC's Morgan Chesky is in Dallas with the very latest on that investigation. Morgan, good morning. Yeah, guys, good morning. Just a stunning tragedy in the skies over Dallas that today leaves a growing memorial for those six lives that were lost. This was supposed to be a fun afternoon honoring World War II history. Instead, it took an absolutely terrifying turn in a midair collision that left hundreds of onlookers in utter disbelief. This morning, investigators pouring over a horrific play-by-play. Two vintage planes caught on video colliding in midair before falling in a fiery crash. Are you serious? The collision causing both aircraft to break apart seconds before bursting into flames on impact. Investigators with the NTSB spent Sunday at Dallas Executive Airport searching the crash site for any clues that could explain what caused the deadly crash. Five crew members of the B-17 and the pilot of the P-63 were fatally injured. Neither aircraft was equipped with a flight data recorder or a cockpit voice recorder, often known as the black box. 
the Boeing B-17 Flying Fortress, and a Bell P-63 King Cobra, part of the commemorative Air Force Wings Over Dallas show. Both flying low in what organizers call a standard maneuver, bombers on parade. J.P. Santiago watched the tragedy in real time, standing next to his son. I think there was a collective moment of shock where we didn't know what to say or what to do. He's one of hundreds of witnesses now wondering how tragedy struck an air show that flies all over the country. From all the videos, the fighter appears to be out of position and moving quickly and maneuvering in an area where you normally would not be maneuvering if you were in formation with a bomber. Among those who died, Army veteran and former longtime American Airlines pilot Terry Barker, who was on board the B-17 Flying Fortress. Those who knew him say he flew to honor the greatest generation. Ohio's Wing Civil Air Patrol confirming Major Curtis Rowe was lost, adding his service spans over three decades, where he held every aircrew rating possible. All the pilots are vetted very carefully. Many of them have been flying for us for 20, 30 years or longer. Great aircraft, they're safe, they're very well maintained. The pilots are very well trained. Now, pilot experience will be one of the factors the NTSB will be looking at as part of this ongoing investigation, which could take up to 18 months. But they're also going to hone in on any audio recordings from air traffic control to any of those planes, maintenance records for all of the planes involved. And important to note here, while neither of these planes had those black boxes, neither of them are federally required to do so. Savannah. What a tragedy, Morgan. Thank you very much. Uh, still ahead, new triple-demic concerns with cases of RSV, flu, and COVID all rising, and Thanksgiving gatherings are on the way. So what can you do to protect your family? We'll talk about that. Also, Sam Brock is taking a closer look this morning at one of the hottest holiday destinations, apparently, cruises. Craig, November is officially cruise season starting, and it's not just back. It is exploding. There are a number of reasons behind that, but the reality is your window, if you're looking for that holiday trip, is quickly closing. We have some last-minute advice to find your ticket to paradise coming up after this break. We're back 740 with today's Consumer Confidential. As we inch closer to the holidays, cruises are once again a hot travel ticket. And guys, the pandemic had a huge impact on the cruise industry, but now with smoother sailing ahead, demand for cruises has really jumped. Uh, yes, it has. NBC's Sam Brock joins us now from the port of Miami. Sam, good morning. Guys, good morning. You know, we'll recall that it was only a few months ago we were talking about cruise lines slashing prices to levels we had not seen before, hundreds of options below $50 a day. Well, that ship has definitely sailed as we are now looking at prices that are way up. From Florida to Texas, though, there are still plenty of holiday openings, and it is not too late to get on board. With the holidays right around the corner, Cruises are officially crushing once again, buoyed by consumer confidence after a rough ride with COVID. From first-time sailors like Tuffy Kriegel, who's about to jump on a Caribbean cruise in December. Seven, eight days with my friends and experiencing life on a cruise ship. To families like the Stewarts in New York. The ships have never been cleaner. The elevators, everything they do is clean. Who hit the high seas for decades before COVID cut into their tradition but now it's full steam ahead. So no concern at this point about taking your family on a cruise? None whatsoever. There have been fewer outbreaks and the CDC removed its COVID restrictions in July. 
But over the weekend, a Carnival Australia cruise ship returned to Sydney with more than 800 people infected with the virus who were promptly isolated. Still, in a major shift, a recent survey found about two in three passengers say they're no longer concerned about catching COVID on cruises. And demand for sailings has spiked. Are people going to pay higher than they ever have for a cruise? Yes. Are the selections of accommodations going to be limited? Yes. Are the ships going to be full? Yes. But are people going to have a great time? Absolutely. For travelers scouring for savings, travel experts say book the relatively cheaper interior rooms and spend more time outside those rooms enjoying the amenities. Ports across the country offer access to tropical locations so you don't necessarily have to fly to reach your ship. And you're more likely to find the best deals at busier ports like Miami or Fort Lauderdale. And use travel agencies for special packages on drinks and services. We might offer a private car and driver in a particular destination when it's a European cruise or something like a shipboard credit that could be $100, $200. With demand high for the holidays, here's where you'll find the most cruises between Christmas and New Year's. Miami and Fort Lauderdale top the list, but New Orleans, Texas, and even New York have offerings. Do you still see this as a better value proposition than going to a hotel and resort where food isn't included and all of that? A hundred percent. You have your food that's top notch. You have, you know, alcohol packages for a family of four to go away and get all this together is really economical. Some of those cruise ships look next level. Sam, just really quickly here, why is it, going back to that list, why is it that Miami and Fort Lauderdale have the best deals? So they have the mega ships, Craig. When you're talking about the cruise lines that have ships with capacity for four to 5,000 passengers, it's basically where I'm standing because Miami and South Florida is the jumping off point to get to the Caribbean. Obviously, there's a lot of demand there. There's plenty of smaller vessels as well. So if you think about it almost like hubs for airlines where there's the highest volume of flights, you're more likely as a passenger to find a better deal. The same thing is true with cruise ships. The more space they have, the more open rooms. You'll find that in South Florida. But as we showed you a second ago, you can really go to many places across the country and find an option heading into the holidays. Enjoy me anytime you want here. Down in Miami, guys, I can tell you it's looking pretty good it always does Sam Brock it always does thank you buddy uh, speaking of the holiday rush folks and, and what all travelers can expect Lester Holt's gonna have an exclusive conversation with Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg that's coming up tonight on NBC Nightly News be careful what you wish for Sam Brock we might just have to get down there and <laughs> go cruising with him I think today's that might not I, I think a today show cruise we're, we're gonna will it into we being show island there you oh, go oh, I'm oh, here for it I like yes. it I know let's just keep it going all right Dylan is in for Al Al's been a little under the weather but yes. we're happy to have you here uh, thank you yes. and um you know we do have some pretty cold weather to mm -hmm. talk about in fact it means snow in some parts of the country so you might be thinking about some sort of vacation getting out of town because we are looking for this cold front to not only reinforce the cold air, but also bring that burst of snow to areas like the Panhandle of Texas into Oklahoma, too. This is going to move eastward and will spread some snow, especially through the northern plains, the upper Midwest. We could see in parts of, say, Iowa as much as three, four, five inches of snow out of this system. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you. Coming up next, we're taking you inside the game and behind the lens with one of the most exciting jobs in the NFL. Jacob mm. Soberoff has that story this morning. Hey, Savannah, I think it maybe is the most exciting job in the NFL. This gentleman's name is Michael Zagaris. He has been the 49ers team photographer for around half a century. He's going to show us how he does his job, how not to get hurt. It is such a good story. You're not going to want to miss it. Coming up, guys. 
Hi everyone, I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna book club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. Join Hoda Kotfi for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Mr. Jacob Soboroff, who's in. You went inside the game, behind the scenes, and you're talking about this photographer. In the NFL, 49ers photographer Michael Zagaris is a true living legend. He's been photographing them since the 1970s. At age 77, he is still capturing all of their best moments. We were with him at last night's action-packed game to show you what it takes to get those perfect shots. It is one of the most rigorous jobs in the NFL. As a team photographer, Michael Zagaris has to be in the right place at the right time. At 77, he has been snapping the San Francisco 49ers for more than 40 years, blending in seamlessly to get those perfect picks. I've heard you say you've got to remain invisible. Yeah, I always wanted to get capture the game from the point of view of people that played. It's the passion. It's the elation. It's the pain. We met up with Zagaris at his home in San Francisco. Known as Z to his team, he's got to follow as many rules as they do during games. Photographers must stay at least five yards from the sidelines and are forbidden to shoot around the team benches. You can't be between the 35 on one side and the 35 on the other side. Right. Why? I think it was the Patriots were, they had somebody on their bench that was shooting across and was catching defensive signals. So, like, they're worried you're going to be a spy? Yeah. I still get a lot more than most people because I still push the envelope. And Z has been pushing it since he was a young football fan. Here he is as a teen sneaking onto the field by posing as a photographer. I borrowed my dad's London Fog coat. I put that on. I At one point, I even had a fedora, and I had put a little square thing that said press. I mean, <laughs> Like which you saw is, in the movies? Yeah. After college, he became a music journalist, following top bands on tour and taking pictures of them for fun. When he showed some to rocker Eric Clapton, Z's career in photography was born. So now he's starting to look and he goes, Oh, hell. He said, these are great. He said, the writing's all right, but you should be like doing this for a gig. Taking photos. Yeah. So Z started photographing NFL teams. But getting the shot sometimes means getting into dangerous positions. Like when he got in the path of running back Carlos Hyde during a game. He's closing fast. I'm shooting and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm hanging in here. He hit me head on. He went flipping over me, ripped the, the lens off the camera. We both went sprawling. I got up. I had a cut on my nose. 
I think a lot of people at your age would be looking forward to retirement, but you're just running up and down the field. I feel like I've never had to work a day in my life. When you walk out of the tunnel, I mean, the adrenaline is unbelievable. It's the most incredible feeling in the world. And that's why I still do all this. It really is. It's a rush. By the way, you guys, uh, Z shares some of his very best NFL pictures in his new book of photography. It is absolutely beautiful. It's called The Field of Play, mm. uh, and it is out right now. Go check it out. He's an athlete. Yeah. He is an Amazing. athlete. He's 77. Wow. I said to him when I met him, I'm like, you're pretty buff, man. He said, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Thanks, uh, Still ahead here, we're going to head over the pond. We'll go to London to show you how King Charles is marking his first birthday since taking the throne. But first, these messages.